0: Raw Podcast. I am Dax Holt, joined by Adam Glenn out of New York. What up? What's up,
1: buddy? How you doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. And yourself?
1: I'm doing good. Just went through a run through Central Park. Uh, it's uh, it's busy. <laughs> it's it's happening. It's busy there. People are like, oh man, how's New York City? But New York City, it's uh, you know you're allowed to kind of drink on the streets right now, which is sort of fun. And I just went through a run through Central Park, and there was plenty of people around. People were pretty much social distancing. Um, I got to be honest with you. I was not wearing a mask when I was running, and one person did yell at me for not wearing a mask when I was running, and I'm not an anti-mask person. I was just running. I was working out, and it's kind of hard to breathe when you're running with a mask on, so I put my thing down, and someone did yell at me, but it is uh, it is what it is,
0: dude. <laughs> I did the beach for the first time yesterday. It was wonderful. I like was finally it? got onto the beach. Yeah, I took my son for his birthday. It was great.
1: Was it busy? or
0: No not busy everyone is very distanced out so i felt safe and it was wonderful i just feel like a human again that's the nicest part i'm getting out of the house and feeling like a human
1: so you know it's becoming popular right now all you know i'm a stand comic i work with a lot of all my friends are comedians and now there is like this surge of drive-in comedy shows in like yep. queens and jersey and atlantic city that's what these people are doing people pulling their cars and they're doing stand up off a truck bed and the people are trying it out. And I think it's something just fun to do. Is it the best show in the world? Probably not. Because, I don't know, I always thought laughing's contagious. And when people are laughing in their car and as a comedian you can't hear the laughs, it's a little awkward, I have to imagine. But uh, I think we have someone today, on today's podcast, that would have a better and a great understanding of what's going on in the comedy industry. What Absolutely. do you think about that, Dax?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So, Listen, i, I got to be honest. This guy has done it all in the industry. He's been an actor. He's done dancing. He's been a game show host. But it all started from the hard work you put into the comedy shows, the comedy clubs. Bill Ingvall, welcome, buddy. How are you? Good. Hey, Dax.
2: Hey, Adam. How are you guys doing today? What's up, brother? Good to
1: see you, man. We're, uh, how's everything with you? How
2: are you holding up? Uh, we're good. We're right now up in Park City, Utah, where it's beautiful. Uh, Going to go play some golf here in a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm I'm kind of like Dak in the sense that it's just it's so like I got my haircut yesterday and I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Never in my life have I been that excited about a haircut. It was like this is awesome. Of course, I had to wear a mask, and then the guy kept saying, "Can you move your mask?" I'm like, "Dude, I don't even want to wear this." But you know, it's like yeah. you know, it's it's a whole new world now. And uh, you know, to uh, to to kind of jump into what Adam was saying. I don't, I don't know if you've seen this, but like I, on my social media, uh, everybody's like, wow, you must be writing a lot of material. And I go, you know, not really. No. Yeah. The, uh, because, you know, it's one of these things like at first, I think obviously any comedian is going to be writing, you know, they're going to do their COVID jokes. And, uh, uh, so I'm, you know, my play and, and the drive thin thing, I think sounds interesting, but I'm like you dude. It could not work for me. Uh, my fans been want me to do something online, and I'm like, you don't understand. That. We feed off the energy that we get from the audience, and uh, if
0: everyone's sitting in their car and you can't hear laughs, yeah, like, what's like, the point? I don't point? know if you're, going, if
2: you're going, ah, this guy sucks. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, you have no idea if you're doing, if you're killing it or you're just dead up there. I know. It's, it's kind of like doing television. You know, when you're shooting a sitcom or whatever. You know, when I was shooting my show, I could shoot what I think is the best show ever. And this, you know, somebody in their home, I go, eh, I don't get it.
1: It's it's crazy because as a comic, we're built on immediate reaction. You know, that's what we're, that's what's in our system. We're insta, we're we're used to instant gratification. If something works, if it doesn't, and then that's difficult when you make that transition into TV because you do a joke and then you can't know if it works for about seven months or so.
0: Well, unless you got a live studio audience, I think that's the whole best part of having a live studio audience you get that immediate reaction unless it's the seventh time you're saying the joke and they're just laughing to laugh at that point
2: yeah i you know i don't know what it's gonna be like when the the first time i hit stage um i think it might it might be really good in the sense of you know like anything if you do it constantly it kind of becomes uh you know second nature to you and i'm actually toying with the idea of restructuring my show and i'll tell you why uh, I've been. I started this thing in when we were down in Arizona that just kind of was a little silly thing to do. But I would, you know, I'd get on the treadmill every day because there was just nothing else to do. Um, and so I would do a live Facebook with my fans. I don't know why I did that. Like I was showing you how I click. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I just want to make sure everybody gets the point. Uh, and and so I listen, I would literally just answer their questions, talk to them, see how they're doing, and. It was crazy the response because people just want to talk. They want to. They want to visit with somebody, you know. Um, and so I've started doing those, and uh, you know. And there's no. We. It's literally just random ta- subjects. You know. We talk about everything from being a grandfather to you know. Oh, somebody's dad's got the virus, and we hope he gets better. You know. It's just like people just want to reach out and and, and know that somebody else is out there uh yeah and and I thought you know I've been doing stand-up now for over 40 years and uh and I've done it the same way you know for 40 years I grab the mic I stand up there and I blah 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 and I thought it might be kind of fun to do more of an interactive show you know uh you know just set some ground like I don't do politics and stuff like that so I was like we're not going to do anything like that but uh, it, it might be kind of cool to, to to do something different now. I, Cause I really think that we have a chance right now with this virus is to reset humanity. Um, and I say that and it's just, but then there's the fear in me that it's going to be like everything else, you know, like after nine eleven, everybody was really good to each other and nice for like two months. And then they all slid back into their old habits. Uh, you know, people would put, I support the troop stickers on their car just so they could drive like a jackass, you know, and you couldn't, you know. <laughs> so, you know. It's like... <laughs> but, uh, you know, I hope that it's uh, it, it, it's interesting, you know, I know there's a lot of guys out there and girls, that comedians uh, that are just chomp and, and the sad thing is, this is when people need it most. Yeah. Uh, you know, and unfortunately we can Because, like, I had a date in Vegas and in uh, California that you know, I, they were coming since been rescheduled, but I was kind of swayed. I go, How do you do that? What are you going to sell every other seat? You know, is it, you know, and if people are wearing masks, I mean, this is like I, 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 I'd be out. I couldn't do that.
0: Yeah. I, I think that stand up comedy, that's going to be one of the last things that goes back to being normal. Like I think we it's just right. it's a huge group of people in one confined area. Unfortunately, that's that's the reality of it. So I think, you know, we're not going to see it the same for a very long time.
2: I don't either, uh, and and you know, uh, sitcoms are going to you know, uh, you know, shows like uh, the Last Man Standing and any of these sitcoms are going to be because you can't have a live studio audience, so it's going to be you know, uh, it'll be you know, they can pipe in canned laughter or whatever, but uh, again, it's not
0: the same. It's not the same. Not the not actors
2: the same. don't. The energy that, is know. not there. I remember when they were uh, when TBS was doing my show before we started. They said, "Do you want a live studio audience?" I said, "Without a doubt." I said, that's where you get your juice. You know, it's like yeah. it's kind of like uh, like I've got to go shoot a commercial in Florida here in a few weeks. And it's for, for people don't understand for a community. Like when I'm doing a, a commercial, they the crew can't laugh. So, you know, I'm trying to be do this funny commercial and I'm thinking, man, I am chewing it right now. This is just- <laughs> <laughs> Is
1: that like the goal though? Cuz I always feel like a lot of comedians are like the o- the goal is to always make the cameraman laugh and just make it if he just like chuckles just a little bit like okay, I got him. Like you want to break them just a little bit. And that's the fun part about it.
2: Well, you can go that route or there's an old saying that if the band's laughing, you're sucking, uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I go with the, the, what you were saying, though. It's, uh, you know, my we're, we're bred that way. But, you know, it's essentially, Dax, what you're talking about the uh, it's uh, you guys know this. it's so easy in this business to get caught up in what you have not done that you sometimes forget what you have done. And I have been so blessed to achieve every goal that I've ever set in front of myself uh, you know, all the way up to having my own sitcom. Uh, and as I was telling my wife the other day, you know, cause I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. The, the thought has crossed my mind, is this going to be forced retirement? You know, it's, uh, and, uh, but it's, it's one of those things that I go, you know, if I said I'm, I'm going to retire tomorrow, I don't think anybody could say, Oh, you almost made it. You know, it's, uh, and, and I say that not egotistically. It's just, it's very few people get it to look back and go, I have my own show. I've written books. I made it to the finals on Dancing with the Stars. I've hosted game shows. I've done commercials. Like, you know, I, other than Bill Ingvall on ice, I don't know what the next thing I could do is, you know. it. Uh, and nobody wants to see that, trust I, me. Well, I'm not saying I wouldn't. <laughs> 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 do you think?
0: Do you feel like it, So let's say they open up the clubs. People get back in. Do you feel like you'd be rusty, or do you feel like oh, I, you doubt. could jump right back up there and just be ready to go?
2: I I say it this way: Dave. Yes, that I would. Def- I don't know that the audience would know it, but I would know it. You know, and, and Adam can and, can can say that too. Is that audiences may not, you know, may not know that you've made a mistake, but you know you you like that. There's going to be that time of like, did I just do this joke? you know, I thought I just did this, but, uh, you know, it, it, there's going to be that of, but it's like riding a bike, you know, once you, even if you right, you get back on it. And, uh, the, the only thing that really that I found funny through the whole virus thing was the, this whole tiger King phenomenon, which is just beyond me. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. I, I watched every episode and, yeah. uh, you know, and I think it's funny because if it hadn't been for this virus, I don't think it would be near the the as popular as it is now. Uh The only thing I, my only takeaway from this was I did a little research on it, and this cat—no pun intended—but he ran for the governor of Oklahoma, and got 19 percent of the vote. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> which means, <laughs> which means America, that one out of one out of five people said, you know who'd be good to run this state? <laughs> this
0: crazy man. <laughs> that
2: polygamous mullet-wearing tiger guy. That's our <laughs> dude right there. It's faz- It's so great. It says a lot about I what's mean, going on.
0: If you want entertainment, he is pure entertainment, oh, I'll tell you that much.
2: He's, you know, I mean, he's probably could never uh, imagine the fame he's got right now.
0: Well, yeah. it's funny because we had his
1: husband on our podcast and two of them. We had two well, of his yes.
2: One of them's now straight and married. I guess I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. know how you. Yeah. How do you keep That's switching we, lanes? That was that one way. of them.
0: And he has teeth now too. Yeah, her. he's got a
2: full mouth of teeth. <laughs> he's, and he's got a publicist. Yeah. Of course he does.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice he's guy got a though. Public, really nice guy. Nice
1: guy. We we've talked to both of uh, the Tire King's husbands. His past one and his current husband. And I gotta tell you, his current one is loving life right now because we talked to him as he's on his boat, just hanging out at eleven thirty in the morning, just drinking beers on a boat, and now he's partying with other reality TV stars. I mean, this guy's crushing it.
2: Well, you know, guy. Hey, I always say, God bless him. You know, however you make your name, that's whatever. I just, I just watched this train wreck, and just it, it, it literally was. Uh, driving down the highway and you see the car wreck ahead of you you shouldn't look but you just got to
0: oh you grab the popcorn bin and you
2: start you, you <laughs> sit back you enjoy that car wreck as it happens but you know I, it was funny that i it, 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 i back to what you were saying adam earlier is that somebody yelled at you for not wearing a mask while you're running that's the thing that bothers me is that the mask thing has now become this kind of like you know you you have a somebody would excuse you more if you farted on him than if you came up with <laughs> masks. You know, it's like, it's like he farted on you. I know, but he had a mask on. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so
0: true. People and people give you like nasty looks because I've been out hiking with. I'm like I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's no one out here, and I cross the right. path with one person, and they're 20 feet away from me, and they still look at me like I'm the asshole. I'm like. Bro, we're out hiking. I don't need a mask on yeah, right now. The governor bro. said, I'm good. Like, chill. We're not making
2: out here. I'm just walking. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like the people have. Well, here, here's the other problem you got. When humanity's left to its own vices, it's never a good ending. Uh, it's, you know, it, people just, I don't like people go out to restaurant. You're not wearing a mask. OK, explain to me then how I'm supposed to eat with a mask on. If you can explain that, if you can give me the physics of that, I'm all in. <laughs> Yeah, that's why you
0: need one of those like plastic face shields so you could just go up and underneath it
2: what i like is the different i mean like i saw a dude the other day he looked like he was from the future this mask he had on was just like insane and and the thing what the one that i love are especially down in arizona when we were down there the the elderly people uh <laughs> i wish i had a mask i could show you this dude had a mask but it was down here it's like okay what it was below oh. his chin. It's like, dude. So that, he didn't. He wasn't covering his no, mouth or his nose. No, and then I had some friend. This, what I love are the little nuances that, that happen that, that nobody else hears about. To a friend, a couple friends of ours flew out to Arizona, and they bought a window and an aisle so He said there was forty people on this foot on this big plane. They had a window and an aisle seat and they said this cat came walking up the aisle and stopped at their row and said, Oh, they sold me that middle seat. So the airlines can't even figure it out. It's like you got the seat <laughs> chart right in front of you and you went, Yeah, put him in the middle seat. Or or if this guy was just dumb enough to go, I'm sorry, I just like flying in the middle seat. I don't <laughs> like,
0: yeah, it seems like that would be pretty easy for the airlines to go, just take off all Bs and what is yeah. it, D
2: seats, and you're good to go. <laughs> well, Dax, again, you're you're relying on on the airlines you know <laughs> which which, by the way made me laugh out loud that these the airlines were applying for 12 billion dollars in relief let, let me just back it up a little bit here weren't you the same companies that charged me if i wore underwear you charged me if i had <laughs> uh, uh if i wanted to bring a, a a snack if i wanted to board early it's like Wait, you you? No, you're you're last in line. You're last in line. (laughs) If we got a couple bucks, maybe we'll slip them your way. But uh,
0: so true. They're like, if you actually want us to land the plane, that's going to be another twenty (laughs) dollars. Yeah, so ridiculous. Uh, So, Bill, let me ask you this:
1: Who was in? You know, we always say people have comedy classes in some ways, like a graduating class. Who was in your comedy class? The people you came up with
2: during your era. You know, Adam, I got I, – that was one of the things. That I think – let me start by saying if I had to start today, even if there wasn't a virus, I don't think I'd make it. Um, just because back in my day, it, which makes me the old guy now, um, if you have figured out by all the white, um, I learned from guys like Seinfeld and Shanling and Leno, uh, Kirkenbauer, all these guys that were – they were comedians. They weren't actors – they weren't using comedy to get an acting job acting just kind of came as because of they were good comedians. Um, so my, my class was, uh, you know, there was so many guys that were so good to me in the business and taught me how to construct an act, how to, out of, how to, how to react to it, you know, feel out an audience and see, uh, I, I was at a club in Dallas for two and a half years. I, I was the MC for two and a half years before I ever hit the road. And, so I really got, I had my own personal comedy excuse me, my own personal comedy school. Uh, but I will tell you this, a funny story that my very first gig on the road, very first one. Now, when I was at, the, the funny thing was when I was MC in the club, whoever the act was that week, by the end of the week, I had taken on their personality. So like if we had Seinfeld by the end of the week, I'm like, who, what's the deal with McDonald's? I, like, <laughs> I hadn't figured out who I was yet. Uh, yeah. So the very first gig I had was in Florida and it was at a, uh, during the day it was a pizza place. And at night they made it a comedy club. And uh, there was a guy named Paul Kelly, who I think has passed away. Uh, but he had been, he had been at this club for six weeks in a row. They kept holding him over because this show he, it was very, it was a very, very strong comedian. Well, the club owner decided they wanted to switch it up. So they brought me and I had never been on the road. And now I was headlining this room and Paul was still there but he moved him to the middle act. I followed a guy who was getting standing ovations as the middle act. I mean, I'm on the side of the stage going I I have no material. This guy is like Yeah. But it, you know, it went fine. And at the end of the week, the club owner said, you did a great job. Listen, I don't have all your money, but I can give you an, uh, uh, an eight ball of Coke. And I was like, what? <laughs> How do You're I like... to my landlord and go, look, I really don't got the rent, but I'm going to throw you a little couple of fat lines here. That you cover <laughs> hey, <me." laughs> you just pass it on. Here you go. That's what I got for you. But yeah, That's you know, so uh, Adam, the the guys that – you know, I, I remember Leno telling me one time, uh, Leno came to the club and I, my job was to pick him up at the airport, MC the show for the week, then drop him back at the airport. Uh, and I'll never forget Wait, that. You,
0: you had to be the one to pick him up. Oh yeah.
2: That was part of my job description.
0: That's so funny. Yeah. That's so random.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. What, what, and so he... I remember Jay had a, he had a, a stack of airline tickets. I mean, and so I drive him to the airport and I said, we were talking about comedy and, uh, and, uh. He told me. He said, he said, Bill, he said, I'm gonna give you one piece of advice. And I give this to young comedians when I, when they ask is, he said, never do jokes about something you don't know about because they, the audience will know, you know, like for me to do drug humor or fat jokes or whatever, people are going to go, well, wait, you're not, you know, uh, so, uh, but those guys were really cool in the sense that, you know, the other thing I miss about the old days was that it was almost like a, like a fraternity, if you will uh, that, that guys would like, when I was on the road, I remember guys, we would sit around after the show at the comedy condo and, you know, somebody might say, Hey, do you gotta try this at the end of your show or try this. And so there was a real, uh, real kind of family, uh, feel about it. Uh, a lot of dysfunctional family members, sure. but, uh, you know, but it was, uh, it, I, today, you know, it's, I, I watch these guys and, and there's a lot of lone wolves, uh, that, that just, you know, they're on their own and, uh, and I don't know if they associate that much anymore, but uh, I just really dug that time. It was, and plus comedy was just crushing. I mean, it, you know, amateur nights were sold out. You know, it was like, uh, you know, I'll tell you one of my favorite stories uh, from the club days when I was there. I had, uh, I had MC'd this show and, and Robin Williams was in town playing at the Dallas Music Hall. And it was a, a Sunday night. And there was probably 30 people in the club. And uh, the, I, had, I had finished my show and had gone home. I was in bed with my wife. And the owner of the club called me and said, you got to get down here right now. And I said, dude, what? And he goes, just come on. I said, no, I'm in bed. He said, Robin Williams is here. And he said, there's still like 30 people in the audience. The show just, you know, they're, they're just kind of. Robin Williams showed up and did an hour and a half for, for 30 people. And at the end of the show of his show, the club owner said, Can you give him a ride back to his hotel, which is in downtown? So for 45 minutes, I sat in a car talking comedy with the king, you know. Incredible. Uh yeah. And so it was just one of those moments I'll never forget. That is
1: That's so amazing. cool.
0: That is amazing. I was ask, when, you, when you're growing up with you know, and you're you're hanging out with all these people, was there anyone that like right when you met him or the first time you saw him on stage, you're like this person is going to be a massive star. Like, this person has what it takes.
2: Uh, Eddie Murphy. You saw him
0: before. He, like, blew up. Well, he
2: had just gotten on Saturday Night Live. And, you know, obviously, as we all know, just because you're on TV doesn't mean you're funny. You know, But I saw him. He he and Joe Piscopo came to the the club. And uh, I saw Eddie Murphy do 45 minutes of – and this was right before raw came out.
1: And he's a kid at this time too. That's the crazy part is.
2: Yeah, and he was without a doubt one of the funniest guys. I'll tell you another one that I uh I early on I had Saget. Bob Saget was probably one of the funniest guys I ever saw on stage.
1: Was he dirty then?
2: Oh yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, there was no <laughs> there was when Bob was on stage there was no there was no rules uh <laughs> I remember one time, this is so funny that you bring back these stories because now, now I'm starting to remember. I remember one week I was MC and, and Dice Clay was there. Uh, and for those of you guys, your listeners, his name is uh, Andrew. Uh, uh, but he literally was on stage and was going so long. I had given him the light. I needed to get these people out of here. And he brings a girl on stage and starts giving her makeout lessons. <laughs> And it was like, I'm like, I, I finally just walked up with the club keys and tossed them on the stage and said, "Would we'll lock it up when you're done." <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: so. Good. Was there anyone that you like? You didn't like? You saw them and you're like, "Yeah, they're okay," and then they blew up like you just didn't even expect them to become insanely funny or successful. Like
1: they found their voice.
2: Um, they just got it. Yeah, uh, Jeff Dunham. Uh, okay, the, the ventriloquist. Okay. I saw Jeff on amateur night in Dallas and uh, I was running the show and, and and he was all right but then he just exploded you know I knew he was a very good ventriloquist but he, he needed material mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the next thing I knew he's selling out arenas you know it was like you know when he when he came out with Ahmed the terrorist that that's when it really because he was genius because he put if you were to Google terrorist, that pops up. And so, uh, but Jeff is very talented at what he does and, and he's very funny. He's really found his voice. And, uh, it was, uh, that was, that was one that he was one. And I'm trying to who else that I saw that I, that didn't really blow me away, but then they just became huge, uh, was, would probably be, uh, you know, no, I, I guess Jeff, Jeff would be the one. Yeah. Uh, But it's, uh, it's, it's crazy because you don't know. You know, it's like funny. Like, like I'll have comedians ask me, how do you write a catchphrase like, here's your sign or you might be a redneck or whatever? And I always tell them, I go, the, the, the unfortunate thing is you don't write it, the audience decides. You know, like I had no clue they would cue into here's your sign. I'll tell you a funny story about here's your sign that a lot of people don't know. Uh, I signed with Foxworthy's management company. And, uh, you know, like I said, he had gone through the roof. And uh, so I was. Go, they go. We're going to release your next, your first album. We're going to do "Here's Your Sign," and I was like, "All right." We recorded the album at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Detroit, Michigan, which was a great comedy club. Uh, and the album came out, and the first week it was in the stores, it sold a hundred copies across the country. Yikes. That is less than two a state. And <laughs> the problem was we didn't have the song on the. That, that we were still re- recording the song. but well, then we released the song and it literally jumped from 100 copies a week to over 20,000 a week. It was, uh, the song Here's Your Sign was number one on the, the charts for 13 weeks in a row, which was just insane. I remember when I got my first royalty check, it was like, are you kidding me? Do you still get royalties off that? uh not too much anymore you know now with the advent of apple and the downloads and all that uh you know you don't you don't see those kind of numbers anymore you know unless you're like taylor swift yeah
0: i feel like the internet has really kind of ruined a lot of that royalty stuff for people over the years and that's why they've kind of tried to figure out other ways to do it but interesting
2: yeah i i think you're right i think that it while the internet's great for a lot of things, I think it killed a lot of, because, uh, you know, I grew up in the album days. You know, it was, uh, you know, my first gold record. They said, do you want a CD? I said, no, I want the record. And, uh, you know, I still got them. And, uh, you know, as Adam can tell you, when you say the words platinum and gold record with comedy, that I didn't think you could even make a living at comedy. I literally it's thought this, is, this will just be a hobby for a year or so, then I'll have to get a real job.
1: It's true. But you know, it's hard now, you know, as a comic, you know, you're way more successful and been doing it for a long, more, a lot more, lo- longer than I have. But I don't put my stand up on social media and on YouTube and stuff like that. And the reason is, is I always find stand to be such an interactive experience. And a lot of times I'm like, come see me live. If you see me live. It's an experience. You're in this room, you're with other people. It's such an experience. And then if you just put it on, you know, on YouTube, Someone sees your stand-up, and they go, oh, he's not funny. I'm like, but you didn't see it in the right state. You weren't there. You could have been sitting on the subway. You could have been watching it on the parkway. You know, you could have been pissed off. You weren't in the right state to experience stand-up comedy. So it's it's a constant internal battle with for myself because i'm like man i should put it on social media because that could spread my name and make my shows bigger but yet again people you have one time at a first impression and people are going to say you know what i saw him he sucked i'm not going to go see him do stand-up he's not a good comic
2: i i agree with you adam i you know it's a dual-edged sword uh in this you know like we've started putting up my old bits on youtube just because you know i don't do them anymore uh but you're right. And the other thing that I have a problem with is, you know, a kid goes up and puts up a five minute YouTube video and gets a million hits. They think he's the next, you know, the next coming of, of Richard Pryor. And <laughs> I, my theory, my theory is put him in a neutral environment, Let's put them both in a neutral environment. Let's see who could do 45 minutes, who could do 90 minutes, you know, and keep the audience there. Uh but you know that's that's just part of the 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 diff, the problem with the internet uh, is is we become an instant gratification society. You know we want we want to know it right now, and I agree with you that the I always tell people come see the live show because you know you can't get the the facial expression the the the, the energy and. And all that through to video it's it's kind of like sending emails you know have you ever gotten an email and you go wow that guy's really pissed off about something and then you talk to him, they go no oh, no i wouldn't I mad at all it would just it sure. doesn't come across in email and I've been that's why trouble. they
0: invented the emoji
2: for that reason <laughs> it's
0: true <laughs> so you can say something really dickish and then just put a smiley face yeah, after sorry. you're all good <laughs> yeah
2: we're good you're still my bud
1: <laughs> Let me ask you this, Bill, what was the show that changed your career? Like what was your big break that everything changed in your career in your life uh, as far as a stand-up comic goes?
2: Oh, great question. Um, I think it's there's two of them. Adam. Uh, one was when I did the Tonight Show with Carson. Uh, that was that back then, and this is no slam on on, on Jimmy and, and, and Fallon and all them. But when you were like, when I did it, Johnny was there, Doc was there, Ed was there, uh, and I was supposed to panel, but Victoria Principal went too long on her segment and I got bumped, which I always hate her for that. Um, but, you know, that really kind of put me on the map. And then I got to be honest with you, it's, it sounds silly, but when I, when they came out with the comedy award show and I won Best Male Standup in 1991, uh, and I was up against. Guys, the, I remember the group was Rich Scheidner, George Wallace, Richard Ginny, uh, and uh, oh, uh, me and Will Durst, who are all. super Legends. funny guys. Big yeah. like, thanks to the wife for the, the yeah, help. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> 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 the, uh, so. We went to the Comedy Awards, and this was—and by the way, this was the first year they let the fans vote. You know, it wasn't just a group of guys sitting around who's saying who's funny. And we were there at, the, and this was when the Comedy Awards were news, so it was on television. Um, and when uh, when Joan Rivers called my name as the winner, I swear to you, if you could, if you can find the video, they cut to my wife and I, and we have a look on our face that trailer park people get when they see a ufo i mean it was just like it was like it was, it was like surreal it was like we kind of looked at each other like did they just did she call my name and i would tell you what out of the whole group uh it was george wallace came up to me and said man you deserve this and that you know that that's when i knew that i had a chance in this business uh to, to, to make a name for myself. And I just kind of ran with it. And, you know, but i tell you what's funny. And I, and I think a lot of comedians go, through, and I don't know, Adam, if you went through this or not, but it takes a long time to figure out who you are on stage. Uh, uh, I remember when we did blue, when we were doing blue collar comedy tour, we did it for, I think, I don't know, five, 10 years or something like that. But the first three or four years I did, I, I was so busy trying to be Jeff. That I forgot to be me, and of all people, all people, Ron White, who I I love, just because Ron does not care. Ron will, you know, he he doesn't care. So we were sitting there one night at a bar. After, go figure after the show, and Ron goes, you know, Bill, I remember when I we was in the clubs, and I'd go up on stage and I just gut the room. He goes, I'd just slay them. And they'd introduce you, and you'd come up with that slow drawl of yours, and two minutes later it was Ron who, you know. And I thought, oh my God, I forgot, you know, I forgot who I to be me. And thank God for Ron White because I don't know, I mean, oh, you you would laugh. When we were doing blue collar, I had an intro that Van Halen couldn't have put together. (laughs) I mean, it was lights flashing, the sign song was playing, you know, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, you know. And then I would come on stage and I go, hey, so I'm married, you know. And now, yeah, sure. how do you want to be introduced? I go, just say, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Billing Bull.
1: That's fun. Yeah, it's like so much. It's like, listen, uh, Sammy Hagar isn't coming to the stage. Let's calm down. I'm going to do my, you know, I'm just about to tell you some stupid jokes, guys. Let's. <laughs> I,
2: I speak of Sammy Hagar. I got a great story. But so we were doing Blue Collar in Denver. And the night on a like a Friday night, Saturday night, Van Halen was at the same place. That's what was insane. We held the record for selling out the Nashville Arena in less than 24 hours. For years. And then Bon Jovi beat us, which, you know, those are two names that never go together in any sentence, blue-collar comedy and Bon Jovi. (laughs) So we were there, and the wives had come in to see the show. They got, you know, they were And they said, you guys want to stay over and watch the Van Halen show? And I was like, yes. So they (laughs) set us at the soundboard. And it's crazy. You know, Sammy's up there, uh, Eddie, the whole Michael Anthony, and they're just... It is the greatest rock experience of my life. And I feel this tapping on my shoulder and I turn around this road. He goes, come on, I can only take you. And we went running down towards the stage. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and as we got to the stage, we went down these stairs and we entered this sanctum, this inner sanctum of this room that I didn't even know existed. It had lights and, and there was a full bar. And Sammy Hagar goes, Hey brother, my wife said you was funny as hell, man. I'm like, oh, Okay. And he goes, hey, try my new tequila. You know, I'm down there drinking tequila with Sammy Hagar, standing there looking up, watching uh, Eddie Van Halen just jamming on a guitar solo to Eruption. And I said, I, I got to get back to my wife. And I ran back up to the soundboard. And my wife goes, what happened? I go, I don't know. But this was the coolest experience <laughs> of my life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> who's the who's the biggest celebrity that's ever come up to you and like I'm a huge fan cuz I always love those moments when you're a celeb and like you've got uh, someone even bigger just coming up to you. Kevin
2: Costner.
0: Kevin Costner. I will yeah, oh, like
2: uh, I'll tell you the story. I was this was years ago. Uh they were having and and he had just come out with Dances with Wolves. So uh, I mean he was huge. Uh and so I had I got a job and I was hosting Willie Nelson's 60th birthday party for HBO and I wasn't even on the TV show. My job was just to keep the audience up between camera takes. And uh so and, and, and dudes this the lineup was like Bonnie Raitt, BB King, Waylon Jennings, uh Paul Simon, you know, just Ray Charles, the who's who of business. In fact, at one point when they were getting ready to do the encore, I was on stage and I turned and I looked back at all these artists and I said I looked at the audience, I said, if this room blows up right now, you're not gonna read and a comedian died. You know, it's like, <laughs> so the way the story was, so I forget what <clears throat> what happened, but they had a big backstage bar, big green room area. And we're back there and this guy walks up and says, Kevin Costner wants to meet you. And I'm like, okay. And my wife was, would literally have left me in a heartbeat. If Kevin Costner said, hey, you want to go out to the bus? <laughs> She'd have been Bill, I, got, I gotta go. <laughs> so she's I, I, I go I see her in the green and I'm trying to get her attention I go come here come here she, and of course my wife, she's going what what I go just come over here so I see them walking together they're, they're walking from two separate and I see her see him and they he walks up to me and Gail's standing right next to me and he goes man he goes you are you are funny as hell I said thanks man I'm a big fan thank you very much and I had been doing jokes about my wife, and he looked at Gail and he took her arm and pulled her into him and said, And you are a good sport. And my wife literally was just like, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, after he left, I said, Why didn't you say something? She goes, Because I would have vomited, I think. <laughs> that's so great. That's awesome. That's, that's, and, and that's so like genuine, too. That's the
1: cool part about it. i tell that. you the
2: other cool part was I did a show for the NRA. Uh, and Charlton Heston was stepping down as the president of the NRA. And it was me and Toby Keith. And so they had Charlton Heston on stage. I mean, this guy played Moses. He was Planet of the Apes. He was God. And we literally were in a hallway passing each other, literally a foot apart from each other. And they go, oh, Mr. Heston, this is uh, this is Bill Ingvall. He's going on now. He's a comedian. And he goes, go knock him out, kid. And he shook my hand, and thank God I didn't do this. For the once in my career, my the good side of my brain took over. I almost said, "Take your dirty, stinking hands off me!" You, <laughs> <laughs> I like probably only a million people have ever said that to him. So, <laughs> so I just so shook his hand and just went, "Oh my God!" I just shook, shook Charlton Heston's hand. But yeah, those are the moments that you re- that you look think back and you go, "Wow, that was." Uh, and, and like uh, when I was on Delta Burke series. Uh, there was a show where, uh, the, the storyline was that it was my wife's birthday and she wanted us to go dancing, but I didn't want to dance cause I didn't know how to dance. And Delta was going to teach me how to dance. And there was a scene with, with just me and my stage wife and Willie Nelson singing, uh, maybe I didn't love you. And there was nobody else on the stage except the three of us. And I go, wow, this is one of those moments that you go, yeah, this is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Oh, awesome. I got to imagine. Let me ask you this, though. Knowing you've been around for a long time now, you've had an um, – like you said, like we've already spoke about, you've had an amazing career. And knowing what you know now about the entertainment industry, how would you change your approach to it now, knowing what you know about the industry now?
2: Um, I, first off, I would have gone out to L.A. a lot sooner than I did. Uh, I, Dude, I was so dumb. Uh, you know, I, I we, we – we, but I had such a comfortable life, you know, at that time, the improv had 17 clubs, the funny Bone had like 20 clubs. So I had worked the whole, I was living La Vida Loca. I mean, they had me headline. I was headlining every room. Uh, but I didn't take it seriously enough. I, I think that's, that, that's a better answer. Adam is I would take it more, take the comedy business more seriously, uh, in the sense of, I'd have come out early and gotten in because I I just kind of came out towards the I got out to L.A. kind of in the last section of that time when when every you know they were just giving sitcoms to comedians the comedy
1: boom yeah
2: yeah and so I was just always kind of a, a, a dollar short and a day late on that one uh, but yeah that would be it just to, to take it more seriously Jeff was very that's where Jeff was very smart uh, Jeff took it very he took it as a business I was just like this is so cool nobody's even gotten in on the fact that i'm just making a living and i have no idea what i'm doing you know <laughs> uh but you know what it worked out the way it's supposed to uh you know we could second guess it all we want but uh and i would have gotten into acting a lot <laughs> i'll tell you if I, we moved out to la my wife was eight months pregnant with our first child we rented a house that we could not afford but that was all we had and I just thought if you wanted to be an actor, you just called yourself an actor. You know, I didn't know you had to go to class and learn the, the skill of acting. So I got at my first audition and I had my wife read it with me on the couch. And I found this out post fact, but I said, I'm good, I'm good. And uh, I left to go to the audition and she said, I just walked out on the back porch, sat down and just started crying. And I said, why? And she goes, here I was eight months pregnant, we had a house we couldn't afford, and you couldn't act your way out of a paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> so in her own way, she got me to go to acting classes, and she got better. Gotta
0: love the wives for being brutally oh, honest. Yeah. Ooh. Hey, by the way, thinking of the on it, like, have you ever, I, you know, every comic has always had just a night, there, or a horrible gig. What was your worst, like, bombing experience?
2: Everyone's oh, got one. Oh, that's so easy uh i got hired for a corporate job uh down in florida and i'd been into business maybe a year or two and this guy called and said hey i got an international company we're having our convention down in florida and we want to have you and i said okay great and the money was good and uh i said you know i was kind of finding out i said how many people in the show He said, it's 100 guys and I said, okay, of that 100 guys, how many are international? How many are American? And he goes, oh, it's 90, 90 American salesmen and 10 foreign guys. I said, okay, great. I get there. I get into the room. It is, the room is pitch black except for a spotlight on stage. And I start doing my show, and for 10 minutes, there was not a titter. I mean, not even a cough. And I was thinking, oh, my God. I go, this material kills in the club. I don't understand so I I kind of did a few more minutes, and I said, uh, I st- and in my head, I'm thinking, okay, just tell them to fly you back home. They can keep their money. The show sucks. And uh, I finally looked out into the darkness, and I said, fellas, I go, I said, I just listened to a bead of sweat roll down the crack of my ass. I said, uh <laughs> I said this didn't work, and you guys, uh, you guys, you know, I apologize. And out of the darkness, I hear this guy go, "Do you do any South African jokes?" And I said, "South African jokes." I go, "Dude, I'm from Texas. I just thought there was Africa." And so I said, "Look, thank you. I'm sorry this didn't go the way you want." And I walked off stage. And the guy that booked me goes, "Why'd you get off stage?" And I go, "Because they're not laughing." He goes, "They're British. They don't laugh." And I go, "Well, why did you hire a comedian?" And and like every comedian, you find a way. So what I did was I got a beer, and I went to every table and sat with them and told them the dirtiest jokes I knew, and they loved it.
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
2: <laughs> did, uh, do you,
0: like, when you think back, does it give you anxiety just even thinking back on that night?
2: Corporate jobs give me a lot of anxiety. Uh, I think any <laughs> comedian will tell you that because they're not paying to see you. You're just a break in the meetings. Yeah. You know, I've had shows where... Uh, <laughs> like there was one, the, uh, the CEO just, I mean, literally seconds before I walked on stage to go leaned over. He goes, Hey, don't say the name of the company. And I said, why? And he goes, cause we've been sold and half these people don't have a job tomorrow. I'm like, Oh my God.
0: Oh, what? God. <laughs> That's so brutal.
2: That one. Or you get, I had one where they, the guy is out there and he goes, Hey, I just want to thank everybody for coming here tonight. I know it's kind of a weird night. Uh, I guess a lot of you guys, some of you may not know, uh, Bob, our CFO, was killed in a car wreck today. And uh, Well, here's Bill Engvall. He's going to make you laugh. <laughs> so oh, my God. They just don't care. I mean, it was, And there was one that there was a, I did this a lot you times, because I got a ton of them. There, it was some dot-com company hired me. Well, there was 350 people, and something went wrong back at the home office, and half of them had to leave. Uh, and they had hired, they had, they had bought pyrotechnics. They, I mean, they were all into this show. Now we're in a hotel conference room. And so the CEO up there, he's a British guy. He goes, all right. He goes, we've had a great meeting. You know, some of the folks had to leave, but, uh, we're going to continue on. You know, uh, we've got a great show, uh, comedian. I've never heard of him, but they say he's funny. (laughs) And, uh, well, here he is, Bill Ingvall. And he's, but he's standing underneath the pyrotechnics. And the tech guy goes, I can't shoot off the pyrotechnics. I go, screw the pyrotechnics. He just introduced me. He goes, no, no, no. He said, they bought them. I got to shoot these off. I go, no. He introduced me three minutes ago. Because people are like, well, what's going on? Finally, this guy walked. Five minutes after the guy introduces me, one of the underlings walks over and goes, sir, you need to move out of the pyrotechnics. He goes, oh, <laughs> my bad. And he steps off and they go, <laughs> and the room fills with smoke. Nobody can see me. <laughs> <laughs> it like, oh. Oh, it's, it's so great. It's
1: uh, Comedy is treated like s- such a sideshow act. You know, it's just like, oh, that's what they do. When
2: Rodney Danger, I don't know. Maybe he knew he, what he was doing. But when he came out, he said I, comedy gets no respect. He was so right on because, you know, like they just, go, well, just get up there and do your little skit. You know, just do your little sketch. So Ugh, it's the worst. What?
0: Hey. By the way, congrats on Last Man Standing coming back. For yes. good news.
2: Yes, I am so excited about that. Hopefully they'll bring back Reverend Paul for a few episodes. Uh, I have really enjoyed playing that character. Uh it's gotten a lot of uh you know, I get a lot of people come in and say, "Hey, we love it when you're on." But yeah, Tim is a great guy. Uh and and it's just it but it's just so weird because Tim's wife was my wife on my show. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like this family so. reunion. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm always interested, you know, when it comes to people in their roles and it's like, you know, so many bullshit kind of things like tell me about the character. It's a make believe, you know, it's not real character, but I'm always interested as you as an actor, as a performer, as a comedian. How was the audition process when you got it? Like, how did you have to how did that go down? Did Tim reach out to you or
2: for Last Man Standing, the Reverend Paul character, they just gave to me. They just said, we want you to play this guy. Um, But. You know, Adam, that's a great question because I think sometimes, you know, unless you're a dramatic actor that you, you know, like if you're, you know, you're, if you're Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, you research the role, you know, I, you know, but when you're in a sitcom, they just want you to be you and they'll tell you because they know kind of, they know my personality and and these days they they know with, you know, we talked about earlier with the YouTube, they know kind of who you are. Uh, the hardest thing is when you know you're right for a role and you don't get it. Uh, just be- I, one of my favorite stories when they did the Freddie Prinze story, uh, Freddie's brother actually auditioned for the role of Freddie's brother, and they told him he wasn't the right type.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he has no 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 concept of this role. Yeah, no, no, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah That's it's that so you know you just be I, the only one that i really had to kind of work on i did a movie uh called the neighbor uh and it was the first time i ever played a bad guy i was a, a guy that kidnapped people and killed them uh and so basically what i did was i kind of i think every person has had that guy when you were a little kid there was that guy in your neighborhood that was just kind of the creepy guy that you didn't you didn't really do anything but I, I kind of patterned him after that. Uh, you know, just like, what would this, if this guy was my neighbor, what would he be like? And, uh, you know, he just, a, you know, he says hi to you and stuff, but he's one of those guys who go, I am not leaving my kids with this guy.
0: <laughs> hey, by the way, congrats on your biggest role,
2: Grandpa. Oh, uh, I got to tell you something. That is the best role ever. Uh, she is just a peach and uh, it's so fun to watch my wife with her and. You know, when she smiles at you, you just assume she recognizes you. She could just have gas. But, you know, he, <laughs> the the great thing about grandpaing and, and being a grandparent is it's it's all the, the world's open. You know, I've, I've I've really slid into the granddad role. You know, I carry around loose change with me. So if I say, yeah, here's a quarter, don't tell your dad where you got that. You know, and, uh,
0: <laughs> and she puts it into her mouth immediately. Yeah, I mean, kid. everything. Goes <laughs>
2: Uh, but you know, when I'm out walking her and stuff, it's uh, there's just nothing better. It's no. you know, you love your kids, but your grandkids are that that's it's like it's like a whole nother asset of facet of your life that just you didn't know you had in you. And,
0: you know why? Because you get to give them back. You do get you go, there. You go. <laughs> I think you're done with them. You. Yeah, they're annoying me now. It's time to go back to your mommy. Yeah,
2: but I will tell you, it's like even <laughs> when we leave, we're still you know it it really. It's 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 hard to get kind of get back together cause, uh little babies are the best. They just and I, I really look forward to the day when she really knows who I am and you know, we can go fishing or for a walk in the park or uh and, and she has no idea what's headed her way. I mean I'm gonna spoil that kid so bad. Oh, that's, awesome, that's awesome, man.
0: Well, Bill, it's been amazing. I I know we've kept you longer than we said we would and oh, we appreciate I love this. This everything. Awesome. You are awesome. You've had an amazing life. Such good stories. We hope that this coronavirus goes away so you can get back up on stage and start killing it again. Yeah, we, we've been, we, we went
1: to your website. There's no dates on the calendar, which is weird for a guy like you. So it's just like, and I got to say, personally, it's inspiring. It's so great talking to you and hearing your stories as a fan. And and just, dude, you've you've done everything that I've dreamed to. And it's you just got a great outlook on everything. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Hope to see you back on Last Man Standing and uh look forward really to seeing you back on stage where you saw where it all started hopefully you don't retire
2: it's been an honor to be a guest on this show and uh i'll do it anytime oh. the, the fun ones go by too fast oh
0: thank you buddy uh where can people find you on uh, social media so they can keep uh, up with
2: you instagram uh twitter uh facebook uh you just go with you and go to the ones that have the blue check. There's a lot. Apparently, for some reason, there's a lot of people who want to be me. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. but <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, buddy.
1: You're the man, Bill. Thank you.
2: Take care, man. Great talking to you. That was fun.
0: What a good guy. He's awesome. He was fun. I, I love when we don't have to try to get the guests to talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's some guests where I feel like we're pulling out answers from them. And he was just like, it felt like he was having a good time, good chat, and so he was bringing up his own stories without us even having to prompt him.
1: Yeah, I, I maybe just he's been quarantined for so long, so now he's just excited to do interviews and excited for talk. We hope that goes for all guests going forward. But uh, right, we're like, keep talking to us, people. But <laughs> it's it's so cool to talk about the guys like this because they're such journeymen. You know, they've had such a career, and we think of them yep. as just comedians, but it's been a long road. It's been a long path to become successful. To you know they paid their dues, and you know a guy like him who looks back is like, man, it's been pretty cool, and it's crazy that you know he has to think of is this gonna this whole every, everything going on is this gonna force me into retirement? Which we hope not, but he it's fortunate that he's able to look back and like, man, I did everything I wanted to do in my career. I'm content with that. I'm happy with that. I'm financially sort of set from stable. that.
0: stable, and I just want to be a grandpa. At the end of the day, I just want to be a grandpa.
1: It's really cool, it's awesome. man. Well, guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, yep. Like and subscribe. Uh, that's leave us those
0: reviews. Yeah, that's what if, if you were positive. Yeah,
1: if uh, that's what really makes a difference with our podcast. The only way you could do, uh, you know, we don't ask for much. We don't do a Patreon. We always say just like and subscribe and write a review. That's what helps us in the rankings. And we, you guys, have been doing. You guys have been incredibly. Uh, generous with that so thank you
0: yeah just thank you to Parkville Media thank you to everyone and uh, and please follow us on social media I'm at Dax Holt he's at Adam Glenn and that's it that's all we got for you today
1: will see you later check you later back.
0: a Parkville Media Production